You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Church Online. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. And man, it's still just a weird time to be uh, quarantining again, like the worship band still isolation there out here. I even considered today like putting on a wig and trying to pose as Ashley playing the cajon. I was voted down. So if you were really hoping like Joseph for some worship, sorry, it's not happening. But uh, we are wrapping up this little tiny like minuscule mini series called Dead Wrong. And I guess that idea was dead wrong. And uh, what the series is about, by the way, uh, is people who look at Jesus, like in the Gospel of John, and uh, they don't believe in him. And like they're dead wrong about what they conclude about Jesus. So if you have a Bible, uh, open up to John 7. That's where we're going to be today, John 7. While you're turning there, I also want to just take a minute and thank everybody who participated in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is a season where we decided, listen, let's take some time to really seek the Lord, seek his voice, seek his presence, because my gosh, if we don't need that right now. So you know, I've been hearing like praise reports, people talking about how they felt like God's been speaking to them and some of the things. Uh, that they've been growing and learning during this time. So you know, we, we just think that's awesome. So if you participated in that, we're so glad that you did that. Now, as we, as we, as we end this little mini-series today, um, I thought I'd begin by just like sort of stating the obvious. We are in the Thanksgiving season, and uh, it's Thanksgiving this week. And man, it is going to be probably the weirdest Thanksgiving that any of us have ever experienced, right? I mean, like most of us, we, we, we have sort of holiday and Thanksgiving routines, people that we meet. Uh, things that we do on Thanksgiving, a lot of that's disrupted this year because of uh, the Rona, right? So like, you know, maybe like you had a big family gathering you're going to go to, and that's not happening this year, and you know, maybe you're like me, and uh, the thing that you look forward to on Thanksgiving the most, no, nothing against family, family's great, is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I'm, I'm a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade junkie. I, I It's not Thanksgiving to me unless I see a 50-foot-tall Snoopy. Like, if that doesn't happen... I'm not in, and I'm told, like, they're going to have some weird version of it, but it's just, it's not going to be the same, because Thanksgiving traditions, like, they hold something to so many of us, and and I think it's actually kind of ironic and weird, maybe the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're we're arriving today uh, in John 7 in a passage that's a, a story that takes place in a sort of festival that's not too different from Thanksgiving, the way so many of us have known it. Um, it's actually, it's this, it's this harvest time. This, for them, it takes place in the end of October, but still, harvest time festival. And there's this thing right here. It was called the Feast of Tabernacles, or another name for it was the Feast of Booths, or still something else that they called it was the feast. And, you know, that's pretty cool. Or, you know, if, if you're Jewish, maybe what you call it is Sukkot, which is, of course, plural of the Hebrew word sukkah. Um, and right now, I just think that's a, a really cool thing that the word sukkah is uh, there in the Hebrew. So listen, do me a favor. Before we go too much further, take a second. If you're at home, just turn to the person sitting next to you and just say, what's up, sukkah? Good. Right now, if you're, if you're on our online campus, just go ahead and just type it in. I'll wait. Just, what's up, sucker? I'm going to wait right now. Go ahead. What's up, sucker? All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Awkward. All right, so, all right, let's, let's, guys, let's go ahead and let's just clear this off here. All right, there we go. Feast of Tabernacles. That's what we're talking about here. Now, here's just a little bit of the background on the Feast of Tabernacles. This is what, uh, like, that thing is about. So, 
Feast of Tabernacles was a Jewish festival, and it still is, although it's observed a little bit differently now. But back in the first century, when, when Jesus uh, was walking the earth, like anybody who lived within about a 15-mile radius of Jerusalem would go and celebrate this thing called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast or that type of thing. And, and what it was was basically, it was a time where they remembered how, like if you were Jewish, how God had delivered their ancestors from slavery, you know, with like Pharaoh in Egypt, and they had wandered the wilderness for 40 years. And so they remember this time of being homeless. And they remember this time how God took care of them in the midst of all of it. So what they, what they would do is they would construct like these, it was only like a, these are it was basically like Thanksgiving meets camping, all right? So they, they would set up these like little, tiny, like tiny little huts, these little booths, right? And they were made out of like branches or, or like, like palm leaves or what have you. And these little temporary dwellings that people would stay in um, for a little bit more than a week in the city. And during this time, what they would do is they would remember, like, like just as I'm, I'm homeless right now, but I've got this shelter over me, like God took care of our ancestors. And then what they would do is they would actually thank God for provision, right? Like just like God took care of them in the wilderness, he provided food for them. What they would do is because it was harvest time, they would take all this like harvest, like food that they had, they'd bring it all together and they'd have this big harvest feast. And they'd be like, like, you know, like look how God is taking care of us. And it was really, really neat. So that's what I kind of just reminds of, uh, of the Thanksgiving time. And then at the very end of it, as, as the feast was wrapping up, and this is the really like the crucial part that we need to understand going into today's story. Like the way the whole thing would end is everybody would pray for water. Like they, they, you know, they've, they've been eating all this food and, and it was in this moment where like they'd pray for water and then this like priest would symbolically go down to the pool of Siloam. He'd fill this bowl of water like several times and take it back. And it was a remembering of how God provided the Israelites water in the wilderness, right? Like water from the rock. And so like that's the backdrop of the story today. And so as, as we're going forward, this is what John 7, starting in verse 37 says. It says this, okay? On the last and greatest day of the festival, which is the time where basically like Jesus, he, he like, or the festival, it's the last day, like they've had the sort of crescendo moment where all the food has just been served. And now this is the moment when everybody's praying for water. This is the moment where everybody's sort of remembering how God supernaturally provided water from the rock and taking care of the Israelites in the wilderness. Because on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is, and look at this word, thirsty, come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And I mean, it's this point statement. You got everybody, and they're being spiritual. Everybody's like, their mind is on water. They're reminded of how God is taking care of them in the wilderness. And Jesus says, yes, if anybody's thirsty, come to me and drink. Everybody's looking around. What? Why? What? He's not a priest. Does he have a bowl somewhere? And what Jesus is doing is he's speaking to this expectation that all of them have, this expectation of an earthly need. And he's bringing up their greatest need. Because here's the truth. I don't know if you ever thought about it like this, but come on. Um, all of us are thirsty for something. All of us are, are thirsty in life. Um, because all of us have... And I want to focus in on this word right here. All of us have this right here, desires. All of us have desires. All of us, um, we have places that we want to be, things that we want to have, uh, and things that we want to change. Think of it like this. Um, here, I, I can, in a moment right now, give you the plot of every Disney movie ever. Here's what it is. You ready? 
Somebody wants something that they don't have, and they get it. Right? I mean, that's every Disney movie ever, right? And maybe every movie, right? So think about, like, The Little Mermaid. What, what, does, what does Ariel want? She wants to be a human, and she wants to be with Prince Eric, right? Think about Aladdin. What does Aladdin want? Aladdin wants Jasmine. What, like, think about, like, what does The Lion King want? Well, he wants to be king. Like, every Disney movie, is, it centers around this idea of desire. I wish I was somewhere that I'm not. And all of us have these, right? Think about it, if you've ever bought a house. How, like, it's unquenchable, right? So, like, you know, like, you buy a house, and you think, okay, like, once I get this, finally I'll be satisfied. And what happens almost day one, maybe before day one of owning the house? You begin to spot about a billion different things wrong with the house that you want to change and fix. Why? Because you're, like, you're here, and yet your desire says you should be somewhere else. And all of us have this. All of us have these things, like, they're, like, desires. They're not always bad, but all of them are unquenchable. All of us have these things where, okay, I think if I'll just have this, I'll just go to there. If I just am with this, then things will be different. And what we find about desires is that, no, they're never able to be met. It's why, like, listen, you know, a little while back, I was talking with a guy who was struggling with internet porn. And he said this thing to me, just like took me back. I was like, wow, yes, like that's it. Where he said, listen, it's the craziest thing. Like I'll be, I'll be surfing the internet for like three hours looking for the, this woman who doesn't exist. Like, like I keep going from video to video to video thinking like, okay, finally, like I'll see this beauty that I'm after and I've never found it. And he said, I'm like, my gosh, just like, that's it. That's it. Like, like how many of us like, like, Good or bad, we have these things where we're like, I want to go there, I want to have that. And the problem with desires is they cannot be quenched. Listen, here's the truth, okay? Like for those of you, where you live in life is you just want people to like you. Well, the problem is this, not everybody's going to like you. It's just not going to happen. Maybe for you in life, what you want is you just want to make more money. And you, maybe you start to, and then what happens? You still want to make more. Why? Because there's no amount of money in the world that can satisfy the desire of the human heart. Maybe for you. Maybe for you it's power. Maybe for you it's friendship. Maybe for you it's stuff. Come on. Come on. You, if I just have these toys, if I just have this, like these new tools, if I just have this new car, if I just have these new clothes, like then finally I'll feel better. And you, and you shop like crazy, and yet... Like there's that like sort of little burst of dopamine where you feel good for a minute, and yet within a week, maybe even a day, you're right back to okay. Now I've got to find the next thing. What is that? That's desire. And what it is is the fact that listen, all of us are thirsty. All of us have this thing inside of us that just cannot be quenched. Listen, come on. Come on, like there's not an amount of money in the world that's gonna that's gonna satisfy your heart. Listen, like like you're never going to like it's just as far as you go. Like you're never gonna have that amount. Like 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 on the on the relational end. Come on, you're you're never gonna meet somebody who makes you perfectly feel good with you. And the reason that you won't is because it's not about them out there. It's about you in here. Hey, come on, like for for those of you right now, like here, here's where, where you're at. Like you keep trying to go uh, from day to day, like and, and conquest. Here's the truth. You will never sleep with every person that you find attractive. And you shouldn't, but you won't because here's the thing. Okay, listen, desire is unquenchable. There's no money, there's no power, there's no love, there's no lust, there's no uh, stuff that will ever be satisfying within 
us. And, and I'm not uh, alone in thinking this. In college, I took a class on a guy named uh, Thomas Aquinas. Thomas, he, he lived in the 13th century. He's one of the most brilliant people ever. I love, like, like, Thomas was so smart. If you can believe this, Thomas was so smart. He usually had at least one or two guys who would be following him around at all time with, like, with like, uh, like so, you know, scrolls and pens, like, to just write down whatever it was that Thomas would just rattle off the top of his head. They didn't want to miss a word of what Thomas said. And in his book, Summa Theologica, he says this about the idea of desire. He says, in this life, no one can satisfy his desires. You catch that? You can't satisfy them no matter how hard you try. In this life, no one can satisfy his desires, nor can any creature satisfy a man's craving. Okay, so like you can't have it satisfied within you. You can't like have anything in creation that will make you satisfy or will get rid of your desires because God alone satisfies and infinitely surpasses man's desires, which therefore can never, type on birth part, never rest except in God. God alone satisfies and infinitely surpasses man's desires. Meaning God alone will, can satisfy your desires and actually take you past what you even thought you needed, okay? which therefore can never rest except in God. So, so here, here's why I'm bringing this up. Okay? So when we bring it forward and we think about Jesus, and here he is at the festival, and he stands up, and everybody thinks he's talking about earthly stuff. They think, no, he's just leveraging that moment. Jesus stands up, and what he says is, let anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Hey, hey, brother, sister, are you thirsty this morning? Come on. Like, like this morning, are, are, you, are you going through life? Just going, Man, there's got to be more than this. Enter Jesus. Only God can quench the desires. And you might go, well, yeah, okay, but you say that, but listen, that's just not been my experience. Like, I've been a Christian for a while, and I've never felt like, you know, like, I, I might have highs and lows, ebbs and flows, but, like, when it comes down to it, those desires always come back. I'm supposed to have God in my life, so don't, so don't tell me that, like, God will get rid of them. And I, I would just challenge you to step back and think for a moment. Have you been going to God to have your desires met, or have you been going to religion? Because religion won't satisfy them either. So, like, if the way that you go, all right, listen, I'm going to satisfy my desires, like, in the God arena is I'm going to listen to a talk, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to go to a gathering. Well, those things are fine and true and good and right, but you should just know that nothing but time with the Lord, which is why we spend so much time on this, why we just did a series on it, is going to satisfy the desires of your heart. And I just find this so true in my own life, man. I think through how many times, like, because here's the truth, I've not arrived like, there's so many things that, like, I'm in God, like, or in need of God's grace day after day after day. So many times I look at me like, oh, man, did you, did you do that again? Or man, did, I, did I drop the ball here? Did I drop the ball there? Or, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have said this or done that. And here's what I've discovered. Um, usually when, in the big times, like, in, in the big times where, like, I just, I completely blundered, I can trace it back. Like, why is it I, I was selfish? Why is it I lashed out? Why was it I went here or did that? It usually comes back to at its source, it's either uh, in my own personal private time, it's a lack of, of, of prayer, like time with the Lord, or a lack of community and fellowship. Usually, like if I'm isolated or I'm not spending time with Jesus, the outcome of all of it is failure. And I shouldn't be surprised by this because how many times, like, okay, I, I, I've learned enough now, like I'll go to the Lord, like, Lord, would you please uh, help me here, help me there? And I feel that, like the leading and the pull of the Holy Spirit, and he'll be like, well, just come spend some time with me in prayer. 
And, and yet I'm hard-headed enough where I'll be like, yeah, oh, that's a good idea, maybe later. Like, what is that? What is it that there's this sort of thing? And I, maybe as I'm saying this, like, that, that sparks a core with you. Because you can think through about like, how many times, like, like, there's just something burdening on your heart. And, and, and you go, like, Lord, help. And he goes, like, just spend time with me. You're like, oh, it can't be that simple. Like, I, wasn't, I wasn't hearing from God. I just need to just push it out of the way. And here's what that is, I think. What that is, is I think it's, it's twofold. One, it's the fact that our, our, our broken, sinful flesh is not inclined towards the things of God. Like naturally speaking, what you and I are as fallen human beings, we don't naturally gravitate towards the right things in the Lord. It takes his constant reproof, refinement, and pull. Second thing is this, I think it's just the enemy. I mean, I mean, like, like I had a friend say like this one time. He said, man, one of the greatest satanic barriers of my life is between me and my knees. That basically, what, one of the things that the enemy will do is he'll absolutely just floor us and, 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 and numb us to keep us from, from going after God. And so he'll put those little thoughts in like, oh, that, that wouldn't really do anything if I spent time with God. And there's scripture for this, believe it or not. There's this moment um, in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus tells this parable of a farmer you know, sowing seed. And, and, and one of the, the outcomes of that parable, he says in Luke 8.11, is this. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the Word of God. Now, really quick, just something to remember, okay? Word of God is so often linked with being fed in your soul by the Lord. Like, think about um, when Jesus is tempted. What does he say? Like, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? Like, our souls are fed by what God speaks. And sometimes we think, we hear Word of God, we just think Bible, but and Bible's part of it, but it's so much bigger than that. Like, Word of God is the administration of God's Spirit into us, like feeding our souls, bringing us to spiritual life. And so what he says, listen, like the, the seed is the word of God. Like the word of God is going out. And he says, those along, he continues, those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. In other words, they're, they're people like they hear the right thing and then Satan just kind of swoops in and takes it away. Like, and so that they don't receive it. He says, so that they may not believe and be saved. Now, is it right to apply that in a salvation sense heavily? Absolutely, right? That, that, listen, we believe that sometimes, remember when we believe that, that salvation is not an accident, and sometimes what happens is, like, because somebody's going to be saved, Satan swoops in and, like, he blocks the mind, he blocks them from belief, okay? For sure. But just something to note, this word saved right here isn't always just a, like, going to heaven when I die thing. Like, very often, like, salvation is so much bigger than just spiritual life, although certainly that is a huge part of it. But it also has to do with, with, with sort of, you know, I mean, in some places it's used to talk about healing, right? Like, I'm thinking of James, like, the, the prayer offered in faith will save the sick, that, like, God's redemption and restoration is, is, is it's the full body, it's the full soul. And I think the same is applicable here, right? The, the idea would be... See, it would simply be this, okay, sometimes what the devil does is he swoops in to distract us, to take our minds off things, to, to not believe, to, to just sort of put that in mind, oh, yeah, that'd be nice, but I don't have time. And what's happening? Well, we're not being saved in that moment. We're not being healed. We're not being built up. We're not being strengthened. We're not being filled. And, and how often do I, do I have these moments, and maybe you do too, where, okay, like what, what I really, really need is to spend time with God because I'm thirsty, but I don't go there. And as a result, I stumble, I fall, I'm restless, I'm miserable. Or how about this? Come on, you ever had this 
um, how many times, like, I feel like, I feel afflicted, right? Where, like, I've got this problem going on in life, or, or I keep having this thought that just keeps coming to my head. I just can't shake or what have you. And there's something deep down inside of me that's like, rebuke the devil. Like, like Satan's coming against you right now, rebuke him. But there's this other part of me that's like, oh, it can't be that. It can't be that. Like, like we're, are you, are, you, are you so unenlightened that you would believe there's a demon behind something like that? <laughs> okay, what is that? Well, what I've learned is this. What, what I've learned is to pay attention to things that I don't feel like paying attention to. I've learned because so often what happens is, what happens is that, like, the enemy, he'll, he'll mask this kind of, like, are you really that stupid? But it's absolutely him behind it. And, and if you're taking notes, I just want you to write this down today because this is just such a crucial element. This is a side note, but I just want you to remember this, okay? Listen, pay attention to what you feel like you should ignore. Let me say that again. Pay attention to what you feel like you should ignore because more often than not, there's a lot of spiritual depth at stake. So maybe you're like, uh, like I don't really feel like praying. Okay, but what, what's blocking you from praying? What's making you think that not praying is the better option or that if you went to the God to satisfy your needs, he wouldn't meet them? What is that? Well, that's the enemy trying to take it away. Oh, man, it couldn't be the enemy behind that. What? Why? No. Pay attention to what you feel like you should ignore. And here's the crazy part, because even though our flesh is fundamentally opposed to the things of God, God invites us to have our desires met by him. Again, John 7, 37, Jesus says it. He says, let anyone, who? Anyone who is, and come on, today, are you thirsty? Come to me and drink. Do you hear that desire? Like, do you hear that invite from God himself to you? Here's the promises of scriptures. David says it like this in Psalm 145, 16. He says, you open your hand, talking to God, you open your hand and satisfy, look at this, come on, satisfy the desires of every living thing. If you're under the sound of my voice today, you fall into this category. God opens his hand. If you'll go to him, and he satisfies the desires of every living thing. And I just hear the voice of the Holy Spirit to so many of you this morning. He's saying, listen, how long? How long are you going to run everywhere but to me? How long are you going to keep trying to satisfy these desires within yourself that you just can't? You lack the ability. And by the way, what would happen if the people of God believed that God will actually meet our needs? Hey, what would happen if, if, if the, those who are charged with the, like the, the mantle of Christ, who say we are in Jesus, if we believed that God would actually give us good things and satisfy our desires if we went to him? And what, what, what would change there? And this is the invitation. He says, listen, come. Why? Why? Well, well, verse 38 says it like this in John 7. Why? Because whoever believes in me, Jesus says, as the scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And I love this right here, this idea of uh, living water. We've talked about this before. This isn't necessarily a spiritual term uh, in Jesus' day. It just has to do with, with water that's in motion. That can be a fountain. That can be a river. But it's this idea of like an unending supply of of water. And so here, here's the, the promise of Jesus. He goes, listen, whoever believes in me, hey, are you tapped out? 
Are you tapped out? Come on back. You know why? Because it never stops. All right, listen, like you feel like, okay, I, I, I haven't prayed or I should have prayed, but I didn't. Jesus says, come right on back because the water hasn't run out. Okay, listen, and he goes, listen, I'll give you water. I'll give you something that will quench your thirst. And you can have it when? Whenever you want. Because listen, why? Well, because the rivers of living water will flow from within them. You won't have to go outside. You won't have to go to a place. He goes, I'll put something in your heart that will make it so your thirst will be quenched whenever you ask for it to be. And this is the truth. This is why we need this today. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's why, okay? Because your desires will never cease, but neither will the fountain. Oh, come on, let me go. Your desires will never cease, but neither will the fountain. Yes, human desires cannot be quenched. Yes, human desires can't be satisfied no matter how hard we try to satisfy them within ourselves. But the good news today is neither will the fountain. The, 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 what the Lord places in us, the fountain of living water, will not run out as long as we go to him, for as long as we go to him. And you go, what is that fountain? Well, Jesus says it. Verse 39. By this he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And John clarifies, okay, why don't they have it right now? Because up at that time the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Because after Jesus died for your sin and mine to make us right with God, he took the penalty for our sins on himself so we could have his standing with God. He rose from the dead to give us new life. He ascended into heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit. And this is the promise. And those of us who are in Christ have been given the promise of the Holy Spirit who will satisfy our hearts, our desires, our thirsts forever. And so Jesus, uh, listen, he makes this claim. And that's not a small claim. Listen, why is it you have to be in Christ to have your desires filled? Because only Jesus can give you the Holy Spirit. I mean, like, that's it. Like, 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 why is it you have to believe in Jesus in order to have this thing in you healed and, and, and this thirst in you quenched as you return to the Spirit again and again and again? Because only, like, the Holy Spirit only comes through Jesus. So Jesus makes this claim, and it causes this scattering, like, like, because it's not a small thing. It's not like he was saying, like, you know, so listen, just love everybody, and that'll be great. Although he teaches that, but this is such a pointed thing to say, because if it's not true, he's really full of it. And so you find, like, people are like, whoa. Like, I mean, like, that is such a heavy thing. So here's what happens. Okay? In, in verse uh, 40, it says this, okay, on hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Here's what they're getting at. Okay, so way, way here we go back, like way before Jesus, back um, in the book of Deuteronomy with, with Moses, you find right at the end of Moses' life, there's this moment where God is prophesying to Israel through him. And he says, listen, one day I'm going to send another prophet like Moses to you. And he goes, listen to him. This is Deuteronomy 18. Like, listen to this prophet because I'll hold into account whoever doesn't listen to the words of this prophet, meaning God's going, listen, if you don't listen to him, you're going to deal with me. All right, And so when, when you find Jesus saying this heavy thing, people are going, he's the prophet. He's the guy that Moses was talking about. People are like, oh my gosh. But still other people, because they don't know what to make of this, they say this, verse 41. Others said, he's the Messiah. And the Messiah, well, who's the Messiah? Well, the Messiah, um, you know, let's translate this word as Christ. We said this last week, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Like, Christ, like what this term talks about is this king who will be sent by God. 
they basically like like you know if you were to go back and look at Genesis and you'd see how like in Genesis three like creation breaks that God commissioned creation uh, to be overseen by our first parents they rebelled against God and since they represent God to creation all it breaks right well like throughout the the rest of the Old Testament there's this hope that one day this King would arrive. This Messiah, this one who would like institute God's government and rule on the earth, who would also restore creation to what it should be. And this person never shows up in the Old Testament, ever. But they were this person was known as the Christ, the Messiah. And so you have these other people, and they're going, he's the Messiah. So maybe he's the prophet, maybe he's the Messiah. And by the way, it's, it's weird that they never go, well, could he be both? Like their, their view of him is that small. And, and still, it says this, the second half of verse 41. Still others ask, well, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Like, listen, um, based on what we know about Messiah credentials, Jesus don't fit that bill. Why? Because here's why. Does not, it says, um, does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants, which Jesus was, and from Bethlehem, which is where Jesus was born, the town where David lived. And so you got, listen, okay, what, what we know about the Messiah is this guy can't be it. And so they're, they're going, all right, no, he, he couldn't be this. He couldn't be that. And, and so, so John just kind of concludes. He says, thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. In other words, in other words, okay, they all see the same thing, but so many of them are dead wrong. So many of them are like, oh, no, you just can't be that. And then, like, the, the, the situation begins to, to compound more. We're just going to read a little bit more because I just love this. It just says, some wanted to seize him. Okay, because what Jesus says is treasonous. It could be blasphemous, this idea that he would give, like, the Spirit of God. Like, what? Okay, so some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. So it says, finally, finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, well, why didn't you bring him in? Like, he was saying this stuff, like, why didn't you, why didn't you do it? I love their response. This is so great. It's so great, right? said, well, because no one ever spoke the way this man does. The guards are flying. So in other words, they're like, well, we were going to get him. And um, man, he's just got some points, you guys. I don't, I don't know. Like, he's, like, I've never heard anybody talk this way. And so the Pharisees now, they're amped up and they're angry about this. So they say, all right, well, look, so you mean he's deceived you also? All right, like, oh, guys, he, he got you too. And, and then in this next part, it said they're like, all right, listen, here's what we know. Like, here, you know how we can know that he's wrong? Here's why, okay? Because have any of the, of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? In other words, in other words, okay, listen, our party has said no. That should be enough for you. Like, we're, we're the group that's in. We're the ones who have it, right? So, so listen, like, come on, dummies. Like, have any of the smart people believed in him is basically what they're saying. <laughs> and so it continues, says, no, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, even though let's just point out that they were quoting scripture earlier about like the, the Messiah coming from Bethlehem, so maybe they know more than the Pharisees uh, were letting on, because this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Now you find, you guys remember our um, elementary series, there's this, this, this story about Jesus with this guy, Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, who wants to believe in Jesus. Remember that story? Like, it's the context for John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You might, you might remember that, okay? Well, Nicodemus actually shows back up right now because Nicodemus is a Pharisee. And Nicodemus is, is keen on the idea of Jesus. So it says this, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out 
what he's been doing. In other words, like, guys, why are we shutting him down if we haven't heard what he has to say? But they're, they're so dead wrong. Like, the, the other Pharisees, they're just amped up. And so it says, they replied, are you from Galilee too? In other words, like, Galilee, like the Podunk, fishing town, like nobody good or reputable comes from there. Like, hey, are you a, are you a stupid, uneducated person as well? He goes, listen, look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. And there it is. They made up their minds. They're ignoring counsel from within their own number and also these other people who they've been charged with the care of. Why? Well, the answer is really simple. Um, because they had made up their minds about who the Messiah should be, what the Messiah should do, how the Messiah should behave, where the Messiah should come from, and on and on this list goes, and maybe none of it had to do with what was actually in the Scripture, but how they were misreading the Scriptures. They missed Jesus right in front of them, and they're dead wrong. And most of us, we're Christians, and we get this. And most of us, we get in principle... Um, the work and person of Jesus Christ, because the Holy Spirit has illuminated, he's poured life into us. But there is a basic thing that we see from the example of the Pharisees here that I think is just a really good question to ask. And if you're taking notes, write this down, okay? What are you missing? Because you think you know how God operates. I mean, what is it? What are you missing because you think you know how God operates? What's that area in life, that hope that you have, that uh, worry, that care, that theology? Like, what, what's that thing that, like, you're like, okay, like, no, it has to be this way. Um, and so, and, but you're missing the activity of God in front of you because you've come up with these things that may or may not be biblical. Um, and, and I'm bringing it up because one of the things that I know about the Lord that we serve, who I've had the privilege of walking with, the last 20 plus years is this, he continuously defies human expectations. I mean, just over and over and over again, he, he continuously just, he, he, you think you know what he is doing, you think you know what he should uh, like do, and yet what he does is actually better and outside of anything you could have thought of or planned. Let me say this for, for your life and your desires right now. How many of you, the reason you haven't gone to God to have your desires met in why you're staying thirsty is because you've decided unless God does it like this, I'll never be okay. Okay, listen, no, I, I know I need to date that person who isn't a believer, and I need to do it because I'm going to be lonely unless I don't. And you've defied, like, like, like you think you know, this is how it has to be, only do you know that? Come on, we're, we're, in a, we're in a season of corona right now. Everybody's freaking out. Like how, how are we going to go forward, and how will, how will church be okay, and how will life be okay? And, and, and how many, okay, come on, let me just go here. Like, we, we, we've just had an election, right? And, and for, for so many Christians, the person that they didn't want to win one, I'm not, I'm not saying that God is Democrat or Republican. Again, I don't, I don't care about that, but just, there's some people that they're needlessly bent out of shape because they believe that unless Donald Trump is the winner, that somehow God isn't on the throne, and that's ridiculous. And I just want to ask you this again, okay? What are you missing because you think you know how God operates? What's that thing? Like, like if, if the Lord were, like, like, can you believe that God is faithful and at work even though he may not do things the way that you personally think he should do them. What is it that you're missing? Maybe for you, like you've got a, a prayer request and, and, and you, 
uh, you're aware of an infirmity in your body and you think, okay, unless God heals me, unless God you know, brings life, unless God brings this change here, it means he's not active, it means he's not moving, and yet God may be doing something like much greater than you could possibly imagine. And as we go into the Advent season next week, we're going to see that. Okay, listen, even though things externally may seem as though God has forgotten. It may seem as though God is callous, that God isn't listening, and that God somehow is indifferent towards your suffering and mine. What we discover about the faithfulness of God is that could not be further from the truth. Even when it seems like God is inactive, he is always at work on our behalf. And to, and to discard that, if we were, if we were to go like, okay, unless God does it this way, if we were to say such a thing, we would be dead wrong. And we don't want to do that. We want to be a people who are in step with the Spirit wherever the Spirit steps. We want to be a people who are walking with God in His faithfulness wherever He goes, and so many times He's going to go places where we don't think that He should. But if we believe that He's all-knowing, we believe that he's good and that he loves it's in these moments we have to trust him so let's just take a minute as we wrap up today and pray for some trust every head bowed every eye closed let's just pray heavenly father we seek you in this moment we don't know what the future holds but we trust you hey lord we don't know what the present holds but we trust you we recognize that you are so much bigger and our understanding of what you're doing is so much greater than what we could ask for for ourselves. Lord, we believe you don't want to just satisfy our desires. You want us to give us better things than we desire. So we're asking you in this moment to help us trust you. Please let us stay the course with you because we believe that you're trustworthy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Church family, bless you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in this morning. And we will see you next week for our brand new series, Advent.